How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? What's the real truth about Citizen Kane? It'll probably turn out to be a very simple thing. Hello, everybody. We hope you're doing well. I'm Max. And I'm Parker. And welcome back to Better Than Citizen Kane, the highly subjective show where we look at a movie and ask the question, is it better than Citizen Kane? As always, if you like Citizen Kane, that's fine, because we're not here to hate on it. But when every movie ever made is a reasonable contender for the title of greatest film of all time, you have to wonder. Better than Citizen Kane? So, kick off your boots, pour yourself a cool glass of leche, and join us as we fall feet first into this week's pick, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Well done, Parker. I think that, oh, I think that was really smooth. Uh, But I think there's one thing we could have done differently to open this episode. And 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 here's here's what I think it is. Okay. Starlight. (laughs) Starbright. (laughs) I didn't know we had Antonio Banderas in the studio today. I can't can't complete it. Damn it. I practiced (laughs) this. I practiced this. (laughs) How does it go? I had it written out. It is. It is exactly uh, what you think. It's. It's every version of the wish upon a star. Yeah, but I can't. Bit. I'm blanking. <laughs> starlight, starbright, first star. I see first, starlight. that's thank you. I wish I, I, wish I may. may. I wish I might. And then here's what I think should be added. Okay. I wish I may. I wish I might get Rosebud back tonight. What if that <laughs> was the movie? What if that what was if, the movie? What if he was like? I need Rosebud back. What if what if the last wish was the sled Rosebud? Oh my wow. god. Oh my god. Now that's better than Citizen Kane. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. <laughs> anyway, thanks anyway. for humoring me, Parker, who had of to course. listen to that, and also everyone else who also had to listen to that. <laughs> thanks, everybody. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. For choosing uh, to let me do that. Okay, so we're looking at Puss in Boots, The Last Wish this week, Max. Uh, tell tell our lovely listeners, uh, why are we talking about this movie? Why wouldn't we talk about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish? Um, no, it's a great movie. It's a fantastic film. It's a great mm-hmm. use of animation as a medium. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's a surprise hit as, you know, a long, I wouldn't call it a weighted sequel to a spinoff to Shrek. So here's why we're talking about this, because... Yeah. December 30th, 2022, Parker and his and his lovely partner, Kate, they took me to the movies like I was a, a child that they <laughs> we did. Yes. And they and they took me to see Puss in Boots, The Last Wish in theaters. And they said, we saw this and it's amazing. And I was like, OK, I believe you. I trust you because, you know, you we, we tend to like the same movies. But I, I, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect, really. And then mm-hmm. we got there and I watched it and. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful little film. It's a it beautiful is. little film that did so well at the box office. I'm so happy about it. Again, it's based on a parody of Zorro from Shrek 2. Yeah. Parker, what would you, what else did you say about it? <laughs> uh, no, just that like it, um, we wanted to do something that was very contemporary. We wanted to try and bring something on the show that had just recently come out, uh, you know, in like the last six months. This was one of our favorite movies from last year. And uh, additionally, as well as just our own personal feelings about the movie. As you mentioned, the movie has been doing very well at the box office and has been kind of climbing its way up, which is really great. It opened against Avatar. And so the fact that it still has legs at all is a really 
good sign for animated movies, I think. But also one of the other big reasons we did this. Well, is Avatar because, is also an animated movie. <laughs> uh, so true. That's very, very true. <laughs> but it is not marketed as great. such. December was a great month for animation. Puss in Boots, Pinocchio, Avatar, The Way of Water. <laughs> But one of the other big reasons that we did this is because uh, for any of you listeners who are familiar, there is a wonderful app out there called Letterboxd, and it's basically just social media for film buffs. You can log your movies, you can make lists, you can see what your friends are watching, all those good things. And they have on there a list that is compiled of like what are, according to user ratings, what are the highest rated films of all time on Letterboxd so far, right? And I don't know exactly how their kind of uh, calculations work. I think it might have something to do with like how big of the audience is for a movie yeah. versus how many of those people rated it highly. Yeah, it's like if a movie gets a certain number of reviews, then it starts to like chart on there, I think. Like if a movie has like 300 views and like most of them are five stars, it's not going to be top of the list. It has to like surpass a certain number. I don't yeah. know what it is off the top of my head. But basically, yeah, it's it's if enough people have watched it and then it makes the list. And then from there, it's, you know, five stars. So, for example, one of the top films on there is, you know, a 70s Italian film or whatever. And and that has that's been seen by like 50,000 people and 35,000 of them gave it five stars as opposed to something like, I don't know. Well, then, then Parasite is above that. And that has comparatively like. 900,000 reviews, mostly five stars, but they're like neck and neck because of the five star rating as opposed to like, you know, it's not weighed by. Right, right. So (laughs) again, no, no, that's a good explanation. And like, again, we aren't sure exactly how it works, but essentially this list is ever changing on how people are reviewing the movies or whatever. But kind of a very entertaining thing is this list is the top 250 narrative films on Letterboxd. Mm -hmm. And it is, you know, professionally curated by the Letterboxd staff. There was a time Puss in Boots cracked the top 100. Yeah. <laughs> the top 100 rated narrative movies of all time. It passed, um, what, Seventh Seal? And could it it, And couldn't crack Interstellar? <laughs> couldn't quite beat, I, I, think, I think it beat Interstellar for a minute. They keep swapping okay. places. But right. there was a time where it was in the top 100. We checked it last night. I think it's down to 102 or it's 103 now. It's 103, and it's, okay. it's just above Alien. That's where it's Which at. is a wild claim. <laughs> like putting that into perspective, that's a that's a movie I definitely want to cover at some point. Alien is incredible. So the fact that a movie that came out in December, enough people are like, oh yeah, that's, that's better than Alien. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say this as well, though, and I've made this point before, is the thing about the Letterbox 250 is that it's based on user, you know, user interaction. So mm-hmm. if a lot of people are seeing a movie, which is the case with a lot of modern movies, more so than something like Alien, you know, a lot of Letterboxd, like, you know, there's a large chunk of people who probably haven't gotten to Alien yet, like me, uh, and haven't. Max. I, uh, hey. Max. It's mean? my favorite horror movie, Max. All right. All right. And? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you think just because we're friends that means anything to me? No. <laughs> we'll get to it. I think it'd be we'll fun to do to it, it on the podcast, like you said. It would be. Um, but, you know, so something like Parasite can be at number two. But then also there's a large percentage of these top 250 are more recent films. Not a large percentage, but like there's just more. There's more that people have seen because they've come out recently. They're easier to get to. They're easier to watch. They're streaming, that sort of thing. So a huge part of why I think Puss in Boots is there is is one, it's it's new. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot, it's in theaters. A lot of people can just see it anywhere. It's streaming. They can see it all the time. So that helps push it onto the list at all if it's easily accessible. And also, it's a really great film. <laughs> is it, it is. better than Alien? I don't know. I don't. I literally I, don't. I don't you, know. You have no idea. I have I, no idea. I would. I would take a gander to guess that it isn't. Like I really <laughs> like this movie, but that's kind of what's wild to me is that I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, but it yeah. is. It's a really good movie. It's a really good movie, but also what's interesting about that list, Parker, that you brought up, Citizen Kane doesn't appear on it. I don't think it or does. Or it's like number 243, but I'm pretty sure it's like not on the list. Let's see. I don't I don't think it's on the list. I don't think it's on the list, which means that the Letterboxd user base has already decided. Yeah, they've made up our that minds. That Puss in Boots is well over and better than Citizen Kane. It does not appear on the list. Great. Yeah, so that's the podcast, everybody. I don't know what to tell you. Letterbox decided. Letterbox told us the internet told us it's better, so that must be true. Yes. Uh, No, I think that I think that sets us up for a very interesting conversation where we we let's let's battle that claim a little bit. Let's discuss it, not battle it. Let's let's talk about whether or not we think that's the case. But but first, let's talk about Puss in Boots: The Last Wish on its own. So my general thoughts on this movie are that you have to understand. I went into this movie with the lowest of expectations. I went to this movie as a bit because I am very firmly planted against Avatar and James Cameron and everything that movie represents for Hollywood. And I just saw it just, you know, busting up the charts and breaking box office records. And uh, I was getting frustrated about that. And so I was like, okay, what, what could I go give my money to instead? How could I try to like counteract this? And the only thing that was playing that looked mildly interesting was this movie. And I'd seen when the trailer had come out and people were really excited about it because they're like, oh, they're doing the Spider-Verse thing. Like this animation looks stylized. Animating on threes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So people were like generally cautiously optimistic about it. But again, this is a, like you said, a sequel to a spinoff of a Shrek movie. And my experience with Shrek has been, I wasn't allowed <laughs> to watch Shrek it Your Shrek experience? Yeah, my Shrek experience is, uh, I wasn't allowed to watch it growing up at all, because um, my parents thought it was, you know, inappropriate, gross out humor. Mm. Uh, and then I watched the first Shrek for the very first time, like, two years ago, and watching Shrek for the first time at, like, the age of 24 is not the primary demographic for that movie, <laughs> and I didn't enjoy it very much, and that uh-huh. has been my experience with Shrek. Yeah, you've, I just refu- had you've refused to move past it. Exactly. You refused to go to two. You yeah, refused I, I don't, to go. No. You refused to get Shreked two, three, and four more times. Exactly. Um, and so <laughs> So so you you had no expect Shrek expectations no, I, going. I had no Shrek expectations. I had no reason to love this movie. I, I I kind of guessed I wasn't going to enjoy it very much. But I will also say this, Parker, you do love Zorro. And love you love Zorro. Antonio Banderas' I love Zorro. Antonio Banderas' And Zorro. so, in some ways, maybe you were primed to love this movie. That's true. That's true. And it, you, you're a you fan give, of sword fighting. You're a fan of uh-huh. animation. You're a fan yeah. of, of Very Zorro. True. Like, yeah, now that I've seen the movie and know what it is, right. I'm like, oh yeah, this is absolutely like my four quadrants. Like, this yeah. movie was made for me. But uh, just outside looking in, I was no. a little bit hesitant yeah. about it. Especially um, since you haven't seen Shrek 2. <laughs> Right, I haven't even seen the <laughs> or movie Puss in Boots, Boots 2011. Yeah, I've only I've seen the memes and I've seen a couple clips. Yep. That's about it. Great. That was kind of my experience with the movie, and it was just one of those perfect theater going experiences where I walked out and I was just like jaw on the floor 
Like that was so much better than it had any right to be. Like, are you kidding me? Mm. And it was like, I've been lucky enough in the past year to have that kind of experience with movies like two or three times, which has been really exciting. We're like, it, it's a very rare thing for me to like watch a movie. And usually I like a lot of the movies I watch in general. I'm like, Oh, that was a really good movie. But there is such a weird, like Venn diagram experience of right in the middle of loving a movie so much that you have to show it to other people. You're like, yeah. you need to watch this movie. And for me last year, like the big ones for that were like RRR was one yeah. of those where like I watched it. I was like, I need everybody I know to watch this movie, which is kind of crazy because it's a three hour Indian yeah. epic and yeah. it's a hard sell, but everybody I've shown it to adores it. Yeah. And this is another one. And this one has been so much easier to get people on board with <laughs> one because it's shorter and two, it's just a little bit more accessible. And so, uh, we watched it together last night for the podcast. And I think that was my sixth watch of, of that movie since it came out. Yeah. Which was what? Like three months ago. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you've seen RR how many times in the last, what, like nine months? <laughs> I think I think also six. Yeah, those, so, are, your, those are your two favorite movies. I get those are my two favorite movies from 2022. But yeah. like, I don't. That's just such a, like it's a hyper specific experience of movie going that I don't get very often. Where you're just like have this electricity. You're I, by it. Yeah, you need. I need people to watch this. Like, I need totally. my friends to see this thing. Yeah, which is why you know Kate and I brought you, you, took, to me, the you took me. Yeah, to the took theater, you took me to the theater, and then I walked out, and I was just like, what? What? <laughs> Yeah, great. It's a good it, movie. And then I took my movie. friends to see it. Mm-hmm. It's like a pyramid scheme. It is, yes. But in like the, the, the good way. A cone scheme? <laughs> a cone scheme. No, that implies that it starts with everyone seeing it and it all and gets it down to one down. person. I don't know what that is. Anyway, yeah. uh, my should I talk about my Shrek experience? I would love or? that. <laughs> okay, great. Um, yeah, so going into this movie, I had actually seen... Three of the Shrek movies. Oh, I saw Shrek we, we and Shrek, Shrek 2. Here. I grew up Shrek, Shrek 2. Expert. I, I, would, I would have called myself a Shrek. <laughs> I haven't seen. I haven't seen Forever After. Uh, so I can't take that claim. I haven't seen Shrek the Halls, Parker. Uh, All right. Nice. I'm not. I'm not well. Seminal holiday classic. I'm not. I'm not an amateur. I'm not. You know, I'm not new to this. Uh-huh. But I'm also not the most Shrek-experienced guy. I see. I see. So, um. Oh, but yeah, I mean, I grew up watching Shrek. I grew up watching Shrek 2. Shrek 2 is the only one we ever had on DVD. Mm. Uh, so I've seen that one a lot more than the others. In fact, I sure. have it here in my apartment. I swiped it with the intention of bringing it to your house and forcing <laughs> you to watch it. Because um, <laughs> I know that you wouldn't get it on Plex. I know you wouldn't do that. No, you wouldn't absolutely. do that to yourself. Why would I, why would so, I take up space on my media So it's, it's here waiting. <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to bring it down. No, but yeah, so uh, I'd seen those. I have seen the first Puss in Boots, weirdly. Look, mm. I'm not a I'm not a fan of Shrek. I wouldn't say I'm a fan. I just like Shrek too, because I grew up with it, and I think it's a bit silly. And yet you're willing to forcibly make yes. me watch this movie. Well, yeah, because in the same way that you're like, Max, you have to watch Alien. You have yeah, but to. Alien's a good <laughs> movie, and I like Alien. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> <laughs> I am an alien fan. You just you just were a self-professed non-Shrek fan. Yeah, well, look, I don't know. Leave me alone, all right? I don't know where I stand on Shrek. So I'd seen the first Puss in Boots. It's like, it's. I think it's what I call a, a birthday party movie, where you saw it at someone's birthday party. Mm-hmm. The parents got it at Redbox for the party, and yeah. we watched it. And I think, you know, I'm trying to think of any other movies that also fit that. 
Uh, I've had that experience with Now You See Me. Ooh, that's a great... That's that's that's, a birthday party movie. That's a birthday party movie. Yeah. I'd seen the first Puss in Boots. Mm -hmm. I remember not liking it. Uh, and I think my friend had been in Shrek the musical, but I didn't go see it because that makes me feel weird. I don't know why. I don't like the look <laughs> of it. I don't like the look of Shrek the musical. And I think that's all the Shrek stuff. Nice. So all that being said, I'd seen most of the movies that you need to see, but you don't even need to see them. That's my point. I went into this and I went, oh, I don't even need to remember anything because this movie stands no. on its own completely. And I think that's intentional as to why they didn't put like a two in the title. Right. Right. Like it's been 11 years. Mm hmm. Most people aren't, you know, remembering that Puss in Boots 2011 came out. They're just like, oh, yeah, the cat from Shrek. All right. Yeah. The Zorro cat from Shrek. And I think that's the perfect. I think it's the perfect way to enter this movie. Just go in and be like, all right. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a Zorro cat. Zorro and he cat. might be from Shrek. Absolutely. And that's what you knew. And that's what I knew. And that's what everyone knows going into this. And then they have a great time. They have a great time. All right. So since this is a very recent movie, we don't have to do this very often because these movies have been out for a really long time usually. But for anybody listening, consider this your spoiler alert warning. We are going to be going into the depths of the movie. So if you haven't seen the movie and you'd like to go watch it, come back, take a listen when you're done, um, because there's some really great stuff in this movie and we want to be able to talk about it. But also, you know, just so you know, that's what's about to happen. Yeah. So with that in mind, uh, the basic premise of the movie is that uh, we're following Puss in Boots, legendary outlaw, yeah. uh, hero to one and all. He is down to his last life. Uh, cats have nine lives and he has died eight times um, yes. and dies his eighth time at the beginning of this movie and suddenly is faced with the threat of mortality, which I found out recently. Um, I don't know the exact history behind this arrangement, but there was a period of time where... Uh, director Guillermo del Toro was like a creative head over at DreamWorks animation. And during his stint there, they were doing development on this movie. And that premise pitch came from del Toro, which a hundred percent fits. Once you know that, <laughs> like if you've seen any of his movies, like that is such a del Toro idea of like, <laughs> what if we take this beloved animated cat and make him face mortality and realize that he's running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great premise. It's really good. Um, but the inciting incident is that there is um, a wishing star out in the middle of the dark forest that has fallen. The wishing star. Exactly. It, it exists. Wherever <laughs> <laughs> he says it. Um, and so a bunch of people are trying to get to the star before he does. And he wants to get to the star so that he can make a wish and get basically a Doctor Who version of a new set of regenerations. <laughs> He wants his not. He wants yeah. nine more lives. Yeah, um, there it is. Is that our first mention of? I think it is. Who on the pod? Yeah, one of Great. many. Yes. Good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's kind of the basic pitch of this movie, and it's just. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how to talk about this. It's so good. Yeah. Well, let's let's just start from the beginning. A very yeah. Uh, you know. So yeah, it opens with Puss in Boots in the town of Del Mar. Mm -hmm. uh, I think. Yeah. And yes. he fights a giant and it's fantastic. The whole clip is on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, the whole opening like nine minute fight sequence of this movie it's is on so YouTube and good. everyone should go watch it. It is. I think it's my favorite fight sequence in the movie. Like there's other great sequences in this movie, there, but there's one that might take the cake for me, but that one's pretty close. But the giant fight just like I when I saw that the first time in theaters, I was yeah, again, my jaw dropped. Like, I was like... I, this I leaned is, over and saw you watching the movie and you looked at me just the, like... Oh. It's like the most... 
exciting thing in the world <laughs> to see. Yeah, so that he fights the giant and then, you know, he, you know, he fights the giant. He's like, all right, thanks, everybody. And he goes to leave. And then he's like, what? You want more? OK, one more song because I'm that great. And then a bell falls on him. Just a big, gets crushed. The big bell from the fight sequence crushes him. He wakes up in the doctor's office. The doctor basically is like, you died. And Post is like, yeah, I got nine lives. And he's like, well, how many times have you died? And there's this <laughs> kind of morbid <laughs> comedy sequence of just a montage of all of Post's previous previous deaths. Uh, it's really that's good. just a delight. And so that kind of sets us, us up for that. I mean, do you have anything you want to say in particular about like this this initial stretch of the movie? He goes to Mama Luna's like cat yeah, house, so like a house so for rescue cats or straight cats. At first, he's very hesitant about this because the doctor, the village doctor says, you need to retire. You're down to your last life. No more adventuring. And he's like, absolutely not. I'm Puss in Boots. Like, I, you know, they make a whole point. He's got a great song at the beginning of the movie. And there's a whole point of like Puss in Boots has never been touched by a blade. Like yeah. he has no worries. He is a perfect skilled he, fighter. Yeah, like, he gambles with yeah. his life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is no, there's no danger to him. Um, And so... He's very hesitant about the whole doctor thing and then goes to the local bar and oh, there's yeah. confronted by a very intimidating wolf bounty hunter of sorts who has a wanted poster and is there to claim the reward. Yeah, they have a fight sequence and the wolf cuts puss. Puss loses the fight and and blood happens. Yeah, like, blood happens. Blood in this falls movie. down his face. And I remember even just seeing that for the first time. I was like, wait, there's blood in the Puss in Boots movie. <laughs> wow right. and again the, the animation is gorgeous i can't believe i almost skipped over this initial fight with the wolf uh mm. it's incredible it's gorgeous it's so good it's again i the podcast is not the best place to sell it yeah because it's like it's just really it's just, it's just really good it's really you, good you can guys. watch it it's really good you guys should watch it <laughs> so um that's what spurs he gets humiliated yes. he gets defeated mm-hmm. and the wolf is like pick up your sword pick it up uh, and he leaves it Puss behind. Leaves it behind. He runs off. He runs to Mama Luna's uh, little house for cats, and he buries his boots and his hat and his cape, uh, and he gives it a little funeral. And then he has arrived at uh, the end of yes. his life, which is Pretty just much. staying in this horrible little house for cats, uh, where he just eats and poops and yep. eats and poops, and that's it. That's about forever. it forever. And that's where um, the movie ends. That, that's that's the end of the movie, everybody. While he's there, he meets um, a couple of recurring characters. First, he meets uh, a dog with no name, um, mm-hmm. which I found out recently from an interview with the director is a deliberate reference to Clint Eastwood's character in <laughs> uh, the Dollars trilogy, the man oh, with no name. Of course it is. Is yeah. that throughout the movie, there's a running gag of like what they're going to name the dog because the dog doesn't have a name. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the dog with no name is how he is referred to at least like on the page, I believe like in the script, um, which is kind of fun. Uh, and he, nobody wants him. He is an unwanted dog who is pretending to be a cat so that he can stay with mama Luna. And he immediately wants to befriend puss and puss is, uh, very despondent and depressed because you know he lost this fight and he's lost his mojo and he's, he's lost no everything. Longer, yeah, he's, he's no he's longer no, puss in boots. He can't do anything. He's just going to live out his final life here and be sad and miserable. And while he's there, uh, they encounter Goldilocks and the three bears crime family, crime family. which are really really great characters. Uh, Goldilocks played by Florence Pugh, who is this is her first voice acting role. Yeah, she's does a really pretty cool. good job. She did a pretty good job. 
Yeah, just kill there's like one thing in like the final climactic fight where she like battle cries, and I'm like, that sounds a bit, you know, it sounds like you were in the in the studio. And it's like you could, you know, but it's great. It's really sure. good. It's a great performance. Yeah. Um, and they are there looking for Puss to uh, hire him for him. a job. Yeah, but they don't recognize him because he's, you know, he's he has a beard and, and, and he looks and slovenly and yeah, just, yeah, bag of bones. Yeah, so that's where he learns about this wishing star, and that's, it does exist. Because he overhears, and this is, again, this movie is for kids. Yeah. There's a bit of, there's a bit of great, but, you know, it's never too egregious. The exposition's pretty fun, of yeah. just, like, he overhears uh, Goldilocks being, like, you know, we're gonna, he's the only cat who could help us, like, rob Jack Horner. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically, he overhears this, and then he's like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna become Puss in Boots again, I'm gonna go do this heist for the, for the map to the wishing star so that I can get my nine lives back. Mm-hmm. And that sets the plot into motion. Yes. And while he goes to get this map from Jack Horner, which, uh, in all of the advertising for this movie, this character didn't show up once. They from cut him. They don't show him in like any of those initial trailers. Not uh-huh. until like the movie came out. Did they like start including yeah, him? Then he he started, was like yeah. a secret. Yeah. So we go to see this movie, uh, Kate and I for the first time. And we see this guy, with just the most ridiculous character design you've ever it's, seen. Like he's really tall. Uh-huh. But tiny also skinny legs. Tiny, tiny skinny legs. Really short, like gumdrop shaped head. Mm-hmm. And then just like super a wide super shoulders. wide shoulders. Like a box kind of, on stilts. Yeah. And 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 when you're introduced to him, Puss has gone into the factory. And mm-hmm. then it just cuts to, you know, Sky walks in. And it's based on the nursery rhyme. Little Jack Horner sat in the corner. Finish Eating it, Parker. His Christmas pie. Nice. And, and then uh, what happened? Stuck happens? in his thumb, pulled out a plum and said, what a good boy am I. Nice. Well done. I'd, I'd never heard this nursery rhyme oh, had before. Had you not? I had never heard this before, I, I, so I, I was, was like, great. All movie. right, cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we're introduced to a thumb going into a pie, that thumb entering a mouth, and then... And then he opens his mouth. And then mouth. he opens his mouth, and the voice of John Mulaney says... I declare this pie delicious. And it is the most, like, the least expected voice you think will come out of that body. Yeah. Like, when you see this character design, I don't know, I was expecting, like, a deep voice for some or, reason. Or like a, like, or like a, or like a, um, oh, what's his name? You know, Wreck-It Ralph. He's, he's oh, from like a Firefly. John C. Riley. No, oh, no, I was thinking like, um, what's his name? He's the Disney guy. He does all the animal Oh, I, yeah, the other guy. From yeah, Firefly. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his mm-hmm. name. I'm so yeah. sorry, bud. I, I know his name most of the time. Uh, but, you know, like him, like doing uh, doing King Candy from Wreck-It sure. Ralph. Sure. That's yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of a voice maybe like that or maybe like a, a deeper voice. But it's... It's just, there's a John Mulaney jump guess scare. Guess it is. It's, it's me. me, John, John Mulaney. Uh, and it's really, it's a good performance. It is. It's, it's fun. just it's good. really shocking it's because they mm-hmm. didn't market it as like John Mulaney's in this. Right. So for you, it was shocking. Before we went in, you were like, Kate mentioned like John Mulaney's in it and you'll never guess what voice he is. And I was like, yeah, okay, I, I guess, you know, and I'm thinking maybe he, he'll show up in a little bit. And I still, even knowing John Mulaney's in this and his voice will surprise you. I still seeing this character at first, I was like, who's this going to be? And then, and that was, and that was, that was a, a, just a bonkers moment for me. It's a good Uh, moment. And it's a good performance. It is. And, and, and talk about the character of Jack Horner, Parker. Who is he? 
So Jack Who Horner is, Jack Horner? Hmm. is uh, he runs the uh, Horner baking goods empire. They make pies. They make lots and lots of pies, you know, based on his nursery rhyme. And uh, he is uh, very upset and bitter at the world because he doesn't have a fairy tale. He's from a nursery rhyme. And he, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a bad and like the yeah, worst one at that one. point. I think one of the serpent yeah. sisters who he has his opening scene with says like, yeah, the like a, a lame, the lame one. one. Yeah. And, and <laughs> so his obsession is collecting magical artifacts. He wants all the magic in the world because he lives in a magical universe and has no magic himself. Yeah. And so he has flying carpets and phoenixes and unicorn horns and magic wands and, and like and, and this is one of my favorite things about this universe and I'm so glad that that Puss in Boots The Last Wish has like taken advantage of it in a way that Shrek hasn't. And I think we've talked mm-hmm. about this of the Shrek movies were so preoccupied with like tearing down fairy tales because they were literally designed to make fun of Disney. Right. They were so preoccupied with like, okay, we're gonna make fun of fairy tales. We're gonna like like kind of corrupt them with with like modern pop culture references and we're going to mm-hmm. use them to be like you know what wow it's this but it's this you know what if the what if you know all that stuff and so but what Puss in Boots the Last Wish does is instead it says okay well this is a universe where Alice in Wonderland Mary Poppins King Midas and like every myth legend or fairy tale you could ever imagine all exists in the same like in mm-hmm. some way, it all exists in the same timeline. Unicorns, Cinderella's shoe. But the inclusion of things like King Midas and and that sort of thing, and like the Phoenix is like, so this is just everything. It's like just every, all of it. Which is fantastic because it means that you can have a character like Jack Horner where he's not just limited to, it's the shoe and it's the poison apple. It's also mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's going to turn this woman into gold. Yeah, uh, and there's you know, a flying carpet. And there's a, yeah, like... I love that, but also what it does with this character of Jack Horner, and they do it with Goldilocks as well, of of using their pre-established, like what we, because we know these characters. I mean, we mm-hmm. I didn't know Jack Horner, but like the idea of like, one, the idea of saying, well, Puss in Boots is on his last life. Great idea. But I also think similarly, a great idea is going, okay, the villain of this movie, like one of the, like the external villain of this movie, as we talked about last night, is going to be someone who was in the worst nursery rhyme. And therefore is envious of everyone from a fairy tale, from a legend and wants all of the magic in the world because he is so bitter that he's from the worst nursery around. And I just I, I'm sure they had such a field day in the writer's room or whoever of just being like, OK, who's the worst nursery rhyme character? <laughs> right. And, and then just having fun with that. And then in the same way with Goldilocks of going, OK, you know, go, what if you know, what if Goldilocks stuck around with the bears and now they're a crime family? Like that's super fun. And I think playing with that is so fun. And I think that Jack Horner is my favorite way they play with it of using a, an existing story that we know to motivate a character rather than just making it a joke, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. So yeah, it's, it's a really, it's, it's a good character bit. And it's like, I, I'm going to talk about him and the wolf more a little bit later as yeah. like antagonists. Um, but uh, so he has the map to the star and Puss goes to steal it. And before he can steal it, an accomplice of a previous like accomplice of his is already there. Uh, Kitty Softpaws, played Kitty by Softpaws. Salma Hayek. Yes. Um, who, as I understand, is a returning character from 
the original, the first, the first film. But again, as somebody who hasn't seen that or anything else, like they do a perfectly fine job of like telling yeah. you what their dynamic in history is without having to have watched it. Not yeah. the movie. Which is so nice because no one should have to go back and rewatch Pleasant Bits 2011. Maybe it's great. I don't know. But yeah, I also, again, I haven't watched it, but after this movie came out, I've done like a lot of reading and seeing what people are saying about it online and things like that. And there was a kind of prevailing positive from people about this movie is they're like, oh, thank God, like they desexualized Kitty Softpaws because apparently she's just very much like a femme fatale character in the first movie. Yeah. And they're like, She's a cat. What are you? What are you doing? Yeah. Um, and in this yeah. one, she's just a character. She is. They don't. Equal they don't even do like the fake. You know, the fake bust thing they do with a lot of female animal characters mm-hmm. in movies, where it's like, nope, it's just a cat. It's just a cat. She is shaped the exact same way as Puss in Boots. Right. And that's great. And it's, it's very refreshing. It's it nice. And I, I like also it a lot. feel like. I don't know. It's kind of nice to be in an era of animation where we've stopped just using animated movies to be horny. <laughs> like. <laughs> Thinking about it, like Puss in Boots 2011 being weirdly horny is super weird. And like that movie, expl- this movie kind of dabbles with it a little bit of like, you know, mm-hmm. Puss flirts with a woman in one of his death scenes. He's like, do you sure. like gazpacho? But like that first movie is like Puss in Boots is going to have sex with all of these women. And you're like, but he's a cat. <laughs> he's a cat. Why are we doing this? And like, just like, I don't know. It's nice that we've reached a point where it's like, we don't. You don't have to do that all the time. Yeah. Don't have to, we don't have to make weird sex jokes in movies. We can just have a good story. You can just have a good story. You know? And there is like romantic tension yeah. between the two. And it works very nice. It's very like wholesome and uh, cute and all that good stuff. Like it's not like they just rob them of any sort of entanglement romantically. But it's just nice the fact that like they aren't deliberately leaning into all of those yeah. animation stereotypes. Yeah. Which is nice. But uh, yeah. So the heist, yeah. you know. Puss and Giddy get away with the map and dog is, is leading the car. Dog did follow. Um, Perito did follow Puss and, and is, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of driving the carriage for him a little bit. And then Jack Horner says, assemble the baker's dozen. <laughs> and then he uses a wand. He gathers all of his magical items into a, into Mary Poppins magic, you know, a magic nanny bag as he calls it. Mm-hmm. And then he smashes a pumpkin with the magic wand and it becomes <laughs> just this like Mad Max, it, yeah. <laughs> t- like wagon tank. With all of these, like these, these, these thirteen assassins on there, all with like baking and like cooking themed weapons, which is fantastic. It's really fun. Just a really great like idea for a villain and a, like a posse yeah. of, of villains. And so they all make chase. And when while they're escaping, the wolf is following is following yes, Puss and Boots. He does there. his he does his whistle and it, and it sends the hair up on on Puss's back, and the wolf is still following him. So they're introducing that. They get to the dark forest. We can kind of like speed through this a little bit. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah. yeah, we should really. Yeah. So they get to the dark forest and then it becomes just kind of like a chase movie of of Puss, Kitty and Perdito trying to get to the star. And then Goldilocks and the three bears are also after them and because Jack Goldilocks wants to make them. a wish. Jack Horner is also after them because Jack wants all the magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the movie goes along, it's it's revealed in a very emotional moment uh, that I think is one of yours and Kate's favorite moments in the movie mm-hmm. where, you know, we've we've we're also spending a good amount of time with Goldie and the three bears um, you know, Mama Bear being voiced by Olivia Coleman, Papa Bear being voiced by Ray Winstone. Great, mm-hmm. great. At a certain point, uh, you know, they're like, "Well, why do you want this wish so bad?" You know, and we and with we we've seen the flashback to her and and the you know they're very loving family, genuinely yeah. just a loving family. And and Goldie reveals she's like, "Well, I'm going to wish for a real family," and it like hurts them. But then 
you know, do you want to talk about this at all? Have I skipped yeah. too much? No, no, you're fine. Okay. Cause like there, you know, we, we, we discovered during some of those flashback things that like Goldilocks wants more than anything, a family mm. and specifically like a human family. She wants yeah. to feel like she belongs with these people, but we've seen how loving and affectionate her bear family is like how she is with them, how they are with her. Um, so not only is it kind of like gutting to the bears to hear this, it's also kind of a devastating thing for us as the audience to hear. Uh, cause it's like, well, you have a family. What are you talking yeah. about? And there's just this really lovely moment with mama bear where she's like, well, whether you think we're your family or not, if getting this wish is going to make you happy, then we'll get it for you. And it's just like, I, I am a sucker for found family. Like yeah. that is probably my biggest, like a trope that is a trope and I love it every single time it shows up and like this fits that bill so well. And also there's so much of that in this movie, like Puss Kitty and Perito kind of have a, a found family yeah. dynamic. I mean, Perito at one really point lovely. is kidnapped by Goldie and the three bears that he, they get crimed they get and crimed. they, and they take, you know, and they take Perito and he literally tells Goldie's like, wow, you won like the orphan lottery here. Like he's pointing it out, but then he also is like, yeah, like, you know, I've got two best friends in a sweater. What more could I wish for? And it's that whole. And again, his relation, his place in the movie is really nice because I think in a lesser movie, he could have been the really annoying character for kids. Totally. You know, he's 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 kind of hyperactive. He's he's you know, he's very silly. And I think there are worse versions of this character in other movies that I have seen. Absolutely. Probably in a secret life of pets. If I'd seen those. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so it's just, it's really great. And there's like, there's all sorts of really good moments sprinkled throughout all of this. So at a certain point, there is, you know, a a big fight scene going on between all three parties of our heroes, the three bears and Goldilocks and Jack Horner and his crew all fighting over the map. And while that happens, the wolf appears and sends uh, puss into a panic attack. He just yeah. runs, he leaves and Perito follows him. And when we were first introduced to uh, Perito at the beginning of the movie, he says, I'm training to be a therapy dog. He's like, do you want to run my belly? And puss goes, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, He says, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Which is like, what? Puss in Boots just said, what the hell? It's really I good. love it. Also like, when he okay. first runs into Kitty and she's like, who is this guy? He's like, I'm not with him. And Perito is like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a therapy dog or whatever. And then Kitty says, good, you need therapy, which is like a really <laughs> great, like joke. And also character, like it tells mm-hmm. so much about their relationship, <laughs> their, totally. their knowledge of each other. It's really good. And um, so and Puss goes yeah. into a panic attack during that ambush. Mm-hmm. Runs Perito off. follows him and Puss is in the forest, just laying next to a tree, like clutching hyperventilating and like the sound design puts you in his space. Like everything is muffled and you just hear his heartbeat going really, really fast. And Perito runs up to him and is trying to talk to him and it's very muffled. He can't hear him. He's, you know, he's trying to like shake puss and puss is just gazing off into infinity basically. And Perito looks around. He doesn't know what to do. And he just lays his head on puss's chest and slowly puss's heartbeat starts to normalize. And he takes a deep breath. He closes his eyes. And even just talking about it makes me want to cry. It makes me want to cry. It's just like, I I watched that the the first time time I saw it. Yeah. It gets me every time because as somebody who experiences anxiety and depression has had panic attacks, like I have a dog and my dog Toby does that for me when I'm feeling very emotional and overwhelmed he just has a sense for that and he'll just come up yeah. and nuzzle his way on top of me. And then just having his physical presence there. Yeah. It's just and a really like, lovely moment. And yeah. like, that was watching the movie for the first time. Like I turned to Kate, I was like, this movie's a masterpiece. Like it's, what other animated movie is going to put in a scene of a character having a panic attack and talk about that. And I think even, even more specific 
who would have expected this from Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, to do right. this. But I think I also read that at a certain point during this production or during like the early pre-planning stages, Antonio Banderas suffered a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And so that was a very like, you know, this whole idea of like death and that sort of thing, but also like, oh, wow, like kind of, you know, fearing death and, and having that, I think, is a very personal thing from the creative team as a whole, mm-hmm. um, which I think also helps make it just such a like a, a meaningful and like, well, like it's just a, such a well executed portrayal of panic attacks. Totally. And and of, of the it's just what pets can do, because, you know, even when I was a kid and we had a cat, if we were ever sad or crying, she would come and just like sit with you. Mm-hmm. And that's it's just really nice. It um, is really nice. Yeah. And so. So like that's a really great moment. Another really good moment is at a certain point, Puss gets separated from the rest of the group and is mm-hmm. trying to meet back up with them. And he is in a place called uh, the, cave the Cave of, of Lost, Lost Souls. Souls. And it's and while, his <laughs> it's his eight previous lives mm-hmm. all portrayed in like how they were when they died. So one of them's super buff. One of them's, you know, got a bunch of cards and stuffed in a hat because he was cheating at poker. Uh, you know, like. They're all there and basically they're like, you know, you don't need those other people. It's, you know, it's you. Like and you're a legend. Sing, you're a legend. And they sing uh, Favorite Fearless Hero, which is a great song. It opens the film and they sing it mm-hmm. again and they're all having a great time. Cut away for a bit, come back and Puss is like, all right, well, I got to go. This has been fun. And then the wolf shows up and mm-hmm. it's and it's at this point that it is revealed. And for me, it was a genuine reveal because I was just having a lot of fun and hadn't even I just took it at face value. of Like, yeah, this is a bounty hunter. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you, you, I'm sure you had Parker who watched Jaws at 12 is, is like, yes, I know what film language is. It's he's death. The wolf he is, is death. He's he is death. literal death. And he's there to claim Puss's soul basically. And yeah. he's got like, I, so this is what I love so much is that. Yes. So Jack Horner is entirely an external protagonist. He antagonist. is there because antagonist, he is there because he wants the wish. And Puss wants the wish, which puts them at odds with each other, right? Yes. That is as far as his motivation goes. He doesn't care yeah. about Puss's mortality. He doesn't He doesn't even know any of this going on. He doesn't right? really know who Puss is. No. He's got just, more of a back a background with Kitty, mm-hmm. uh, which they mentioned. But he doesn't... Yeah, I was thinking about that watching it last night. It was my third watch of like, yeah, they don't really interact don't other. interpersonally yeah. either, really. Right. So like on one side, you have that narrative conflict going on. And then additionally, you have wolf who is death like he is an internal antagonist he is there strictly because of the character arc puss is going through of oh i need to value the life that i have and that's where their antagonism comes from is that even you know during that scene death tells puss he's like i find the idea of nine lives absurd and you didn't value any of them. Like he's yeah. taking this personally. And and Puss has this kind of his delivery is almost like Scrooge esque to me. Of he's mm-hmm. like he's like, but I'm not you know I'm not dead yet. Mm-hmm. Of like when he reveals that he's come and he's like he's like he's like yeah well I'm sick of you like I'm sick of you basically. <laughs> he's like I'm he's like yeah you I'm gonna are, take this one early. Yeah he's like I'm taking this one early because you have never valued either any of your eight previous lives and mm-hmm. I'm just sick of your shit basically yeah um, and he's, he he reveals he's like i've been there every single time which is really good reveal because if you go back and watch the movie again during that opening fight with the giant there is one shot of like the crowd watching puss fight the giant and in the doorway you can see death watching death. him and it's, yeah. it's a great little detail yeah there's a lot of there's so a lot of great much. details of like the bell rings eight times mm-hmm. until he you know dies for the eighth time there's a lot of great stuff like that in this movie um, but yeah, death is here. So Puss yeah, makes an escape. 
He runs off. Uh, Kitty and Perito see him running There's off. There's a forced misunderstanding. There's a bit of a forced misunderstanding, which I, you know, it's fine. I just am like, it wasn't, you know, we didn't, didn't need it. Didn't need it, it's, fine. But it's a kid's movie. Puss makes it to the, to the, to the star. Uh, he starts trying to make the wish. Um, Kitty and Perito arrive, and he's like, death is after me. At which point Jack Horner says, I've been called a lot of things, but never, <laughs> never death. death. I like it. Uh, and then there's a great moment where all like, you know, the three bears, Goldie and Jack Horner all make up each point of the five point star, so uh, which is just Mexican standoff. It's really great with, with Puss Kitty and Pretty Do at the center. The director has talked about a huge inspiration for this movie being uh, like spaghetti westerns, specifically yeah. like the work of Sergio Leone and the good, the bad and the ugly. And like that scene it's entirely that you've got the extreme yep. close ups on everybody's faces, eyes darting left and yep. right. Like, all right, who's going to make the weapons. first move hands yeah. to the weapons. It's, it's a really great little standoff. They have a great fight. Se- is it, so what, which, what fight sequence was it that you think takes the cake over the uh, opening one? Was uh, it the, was it the bar fight with the wolf? No, or? it's, it's the final fight. Okay. With death. Yeah. It's yeah. so, then, oh, so everybody course. has their fight for, the star and they temporarily defeat Jack Horner. He falls in the bag. He falls in the bag and Puss has the opportunity to make the wish when suddenly death appears. And it's really nice because the whole time death has shown up a couple times and nobody else quite notices him because they're kind of in the midst of chaos. Yeah. And so you're kind of wondering, you're like, okay, if he is death, is it and, just like a metaphysical like manifestation? Yeah, like, can is other it just, people see can him? Other see, it's like, is this actually a real world physical threat or is it just going on in Puss's mind? Yeah. And then he appears and it's really cool because they've established during the previous fight scene that like the, the star starts to rise up into the air and the edges of it have sort of this kind of like force field almost. Yeah. And if you get sucked into the force field, you get disintegrated. Yeah. We like, we establish those stakes and death just walks through it. Yeah. And so, and then everybody's like, who is that? <laughs> Which is like, so I said it last night. I was like, that's really valid. That's really affirming. Like it's Absolutely. kind of a relief when you're like, okay, death is physically here. Oh, you see like, him. Okay. okay, good. Like for some reason, yeah. I'm very comforted by that four plus. Oh yeah. So, okay. This fight is fantastic. He, he shows up. He creates a ring of fire basically around him and puss. Uh, around him and puss separating him from anybody else. And he tosses him sword, his sword and he says, pick it up. Again, you know, mirroring that first bar fight scene. He's like, all right, I've carried your sword this whole time. We're going to have this out right now. Like, I've enjoyed the chase. It's over. And what's really great is during that first bar fight scene, when Puss gets cut, he panics and he suddenly all of his lives flash in front of him. He sees everything that's ever happened to him. You get a Shrek cameo. You get a Shrek cameo. (laughs) And Death says, what's the matter? Lives flashing before your eyes. And then we get another callback here where, again, Puss starts to panic. He has the wish. He could make the wish. And he starts flashing to just this life. Everything yeah, we've everything seen with in this Kitty movie. And, and he opens his eyes and his and eyes death are filled says, with tears. And Death says, you know, lives flashing before your eyes. And he goes, no, just, just one. one. Oh, it's and, so good. And then he, he fights. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm done running. He picks up his sword. He, he does his catchphrase. Fear, fear me, me if, if you, you dare. dare. And he fights Death. This movie ends That's with the, Puss in Boots. <laughs> Fight, Puss in Boots fights death at the end of this movie, you and guys. it is a fantastic action sequence. It's that, so good. That at that point last night watching it, the whole time I'm like, what's my funny letterboxed review going to be? What's my funny quip going to be? And then watching that fight sequence, I literally just like had this overwhelming emotion of just like, I love this. So my review just reads, I love you, Puss in Boots, in all caps. <laughs> because that moment is so, there's this great... 
he he knocks his sword and his hat and his cape away from him or whatever, or his sword, his hat and his sword tears. And his he cape. slashes his boot, and then they he brings his sword down on him, and Puss uses his gatito blade, which which Kitty had given had gifted him when he didn't have a sword, and and it's really great. They he like because of the force from death's like scythe, basically he like spins around him and get grabs his hat and grabs his sword. And then he keeps fighting and it's really good. Again, I can't really, you gotta watch explain it. it. You, you gotta, gotta see, it. see it to believe it. And he fights death. And then at the end, you know, he, he, he does have a great moment where he kicks the scythe back to death and he says, pick it up, oh, which is incredible uh, stuff. It's so good. And he basically defeats death. And he says, what does he say? He says basically like he says, I know I can't defeat you, Lobo, but I'll never stop fighting, fighting for this, for this life. life. Yeah. And then Death. the wolf gets he gets very <laughs> frustrated and he says, yep. I, I, w- I came here for a cocky little legend who thought he was immortal, but I don't see him anymore. Yeah. And he tells him to live his life, which is a nice mirror of earlier when Kitty said, you know, she's like, I, you know, I, they were going to get married at one point. And yeah, we skipped that. We skipped that. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Uh, it is a lovely little scene. Um, yes. But she's like, she says, you know, I, I, I didn't want to show up to the wedding for that guy. And she's like, but, you know, I don't see him anymore. So it's like he a nice like, like that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Death just says he's like, you know, I don't see him anymore. It's not what I came for, whatever. And he leaves and he says, live your life, Puss in Boots, live it well. And then Puss in Boots says, hasta la muerto, which is just like. The, which means till we meet in death. It's the most. It's this. It's so rad it's like it's the so coolest cool. it's, it's the coolest it's so thing hype. that could have ever happened in a movie yeah and then jack horner gets real big <laughs> and comes out of the bag because it was set up earlier you know Chekhov's alice in wonderland treats of you know <laughs> get real big treats yes he comes out of the bag they fight him you know they just de- they they defeat him by tearing the map he falls in <laughs> oh parker how did we, we, we miss we talk about how did bug. we not talk about ethical bug so there We're is a, go Jiminy, a little over because we got to talk yeah, about ethical bugs. There's, there's there's a Jiminy Cricket insert character, which is he's just he's the cricket from Pinocchio, essentially. But um, for unknown reasons, the creative choice was to give him a Jimmy Stewart impression. So he talks like this. He says, oh, well, I'm, I'm your conscience. I'm here to help you realize what's right and wrong. And, and he's the best character in the movie. He's the best character in the movie. Because in the middle of like kind of an ambush earlier, or like a fight earlier, Jack Horner brings him out. He's like, oh, yeah, this this locust of death. And then it's the crick. He's like, oh, hi, Jack. You know, and, <laughs> and he's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm your conscience. And the best my favorite thing about this character is one is just everything that he says and does. <laughs> um, and but also the fact that he is not voiced by a celebrity. He no. is not voiced by a known impressionist. He is voiced by a man whose only IMDb credits before this were as like marketing production teams. He was like a, a story artist or something on but like not even that. He was like, yeah, he's like a production. He's, he's worked on a couple DreamWorks things as like a production office assistant and as yeah. like maybe like a storyboard artist, which implies to me that at some point in the creative process and the script writing process, they went, oh, it would be really funny if the bug was if the ethical bug was Jimmy Stewart for some reason, we think that's really funny. And then someone else said, Oh, well, Kevin does that. Kevin, <laughs> the, the production office assistant or whatever from like 10 years ago that I worked with on cloudy with a chance of meatballs or whatever. He's really good. He's got he's a got great a really Jimmy Stewart one. impression. 
and they put him in the movie. And, the, and he's like, the, he's the best comedic it's moments really of the movie. And it's really good. So the ethical bug at this point has been flicked off. And then he comes back right at the end. And he goes, destroys oh. the, <laughs> Consider this my resignation. And then he, he burns, burns the map, the, the last of the map. bit of the map. And, and, it, and everything falls. And Jack Horner falls into the nothingness. And, and he does the Terminator thumbs down. He does the big Terminator thing. thumbs down. And he says, like, what? What, what did I do to deserve this? this? What, what specifically? specifically? And it's kind of like, I kind of love it because you could read it as like, well, he put his thumb in too many pies. He wanted too yeah. much, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's just really good. It is good, really good, good, big defeat of Jack yeah. Horner. And then, you know, at this point also, Goldie has decided not to make the wish in the final mm-hmm. fight. She decides not to. She helps save her brother from getting disintegrated uh, by the force field walls. Great movie this is because I just said that. Killer stuff. I don't know why I said great movie this is <laughs> like I'm Yoda. Anyways, they all go, they all have a lovely time and they name, they, they name the dog and the dog's like, I just want to be named Perito because that's what you call me already. And then, and then we get the title card closing the movie. Mm. Everyone goes, oh, it's all great. Yeah. Everything's been resolved. And then Parker, your favorite part of the movie is that they steal a ship. The three of them, they steal a ship and they're sailing to far, far away from Shrek we, 2. We get, we get a Shrek tease. We get a Shrek tease, and I think it's fun. I like it. I think it's nice. I don't know how... They, Perito asks where they're going, and he says, and Puss says, on new adventures, adventures, and, and to, to visit see some old friends. old friends. And then you and see then they far, play far the away. Shrek theme, and you see Far, Far Away. And that's the end of the movie. And that's the end of the movie, and it's a good movie. Great movie. It's a, it's a really good... Like, again... This is going to sound crazy and it might just sound crazy because this is more recent and like maybe fewer people have seen it. Explaining this movie is not doing justice. You need to go it's watch not. this movie. I think we've like, said we, we some spent this whole time explaining have, stuff. I think that people will, you know, I think people would go, oh, wow, I have to see Puss in Boots fight death. But right. you don't understand. You don't how get it until you watch incredible it. it is until you watch it. Right. So these moments are all so much better when you see them. Absolutely. Uh so we've rambled on for a really long time here. We have. Um, so let's 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 move into our criteria to wrap things up here to kind of compare it to the greatest film of all time, Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane. So, um, Max, uh, historical mm. and technological relevance. So what do you think? I'm going to give it a Citizen Kane simply okay. because it hasn't been long enough to know how this influences animation. I think that totally. I would. I think that this is part of a wider movement that we're seeing because of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. I think that really opened up Western animation to new ideas, new uh, techniques, because off of that, you have Mitchells versus the Machines, you have the bad guys, you have this, and then you have the upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, which looks great. Mm-hmm. Does look um, great. So I, I think that as far as from a technical standpoint, I love that this movie, it's obviously not just doing the Spider-Verse thing. Sure, I think it that, looks you know, different. It looks different. It's doing more of a paint stroke Yeah, effect. it's much more fairy tale looking. It is. And, than and I like think, comic book. Yeah, it's not doing comic book stuff. It's, you know, it's very specific to its to what its movie kind of needs and its theming. But really, we just we don't know. But I think that this is just as part of a wider movement. I would I would be I'd be more willing to give that point to Spider Verse rather than Puss in Boots. I think but that's I, fair. But I do think, and this is what I think might happen. I think that Puss, this movie specifically might push Disney over the edge to try something different. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little too late for their upcoming ones, like Wish, which is about or whatever it's about. Yeah. Uh, the star, the wishing star, comes to life. Um, which comes out this year, I think. But, you know, it's 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 interesting to see that Sony and DreamWorks are more willing to do to move into this 
And then you have, you know, Disney and Pixar who Pixar's, you know, changed their style a little bit with things like Luca and Disney changed a little bit with strange world, but it's still that kind of, you know, that gummy flesh look of just like, this is what it's looked like for, you know, the last 15 years. So this is what we're doing. But I, I think that Puss in Boots simply because I, I just, I feel like strange, strange world didn't do well at all. No. And Puss in Boots has made all the money. It's doing really well. Uh, it's doing really well. And so I think that this might be the final straw for Disney. I think that they might sure. be like, fine, fine. We didn't innovate this animation technique, but we're willing to try it. Or they'll try something else trying to compete with that. Sure. So I think that's where I'm at with it. Uh, what do you think? About the same. Like, I think I think this is another good step moving forward. But like you said, if we were to give that point, that would be a point for Spider-Verse rather than this, because Spider-Verse is the innovator. Spider-Verse is the thing that starts it. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a good step forward. And yeah. I like the fact that it's not just doing Spider-Verse. Like, yeah, that's kind of get one, that with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's the it, one concern really I have with TMNT. It feels like it's, it's just very, doing... Yeah, it's very... I don't know why I use their government similar. name every time. Yeah. <laughs> you keep here like, yeah, TMNT, and I'm like, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, full please. name, please. Um, please. But yeah, so I would I would agree. I think like I said, too soon to tell and isn't doing it first the same way that Citizen Kane is. So I think I can give this point to Citizen Kane. Yeah, but I will say the action in this looks fantastic. And I hope that it looks really I good. hope that other movies continue to do that and to continue to just be like, yeah, we can just we can do any we can do whatever. Like totally. It can be super stylized. We can have speed lines. We can have like face distortion when they're running at each other to like fight. Like, yeah, just have fun with it. Western just animation. That's it. what it's, I say. It's, like the, the last thing I'll say about the style before we move on to the next one is like it is very like anime inspired. Yes, There's a lot of that going on, which, right, I think which is, is which is why I, I think I keep also being like Western animation, because obviously, yeah. you know, outside of America, outside of Hollywood, totally. animation has been doing a lot of interesting things for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's very exciting to see Hollywood studios, the big animation studios in, in America kind of doing this as well. Totally. Um, yeah, so, so I think I'd give the point agree. to Citizen Kane, but um, yeah, yeah, okay, great. So how well do you think this movie is doing what it's trying to do? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I, get, I have been, I've watched this movie six times now, and I've consistently <laughs> given it four and a half stars every single time. Yeah. The only things I don't like about it are that they do the Goldilocks too hard, um, too hot, too, hard, too, cold, too just cold, right. Just right. Do it too many Way times. too many times. Yeah. It's like six or seven and you only need like three. Yeah. Um, and then the forced misunderstanding feels forced and doesn't need to be there. Yeah. But like, those are such minor things that it's like a half star for me. Like yeah, this exactly. is again, I've watched this thing six times in three months <laughs> and I keep wanting to come back to it because yeah. it's just consistently operating on a level that works for me. And I think they're absolutely yeah. achieving everything they wanted to achieve with it, which is really great. I agree. I think there's everything that they're trying to do. Like even most, like even most of the jokes land, the action is fantastic. The emotional beats and the stakes are very well communicated. Death Mm -hmm. is a fantastic villain right down to the character design and everything else about him. Yes. Uh, The performance as well. Like it's, it's operating on such like a great, on such like a, just a a fantastic level of just, you're watching It's just kinetic. It's just, absolutely wonderful and moves right along and glides it's it's great it is. I, yeah I, I think is it doing what it's trying to do better than citizen kane in that case i think so yeah i think so i th- I, th- I think what it's trying to do is a fun action adventure fairy tale and it achieves that with flying colors 
Absolutely. And it also like, it also deserves props for carving an identity out for itself as a sequel to a spinoff of a previous franchise that yeah. is not this tone at all. That is no. pop culture references and, you know, and gross out being, humor and being and, horny for cats or whatever. Yes. <laughs> and this is so not that. And I think yeah. they're just hitting it out of the park. So yeah. that's, I, I give that point. Yeah. To Puss and Boots. Uh, yeah. And also again, just like if their, if their goal was to make the most use of animation, they did. This is, Absolutely. this is animation at its, you know, at, at one of its peaks, at one of it, in, in, in the direction you can take it. Obviously, there's different directions you can take animation, but it looks and it moves fantastically. Uh, totally. It's, it's really wonderful. Yeah. All right. So, I, I mean, I mean this, we is kinda, tough, this is a tough ooh, one. Oh, wow. This last one. Does this emotionally connect for you, Parker? You know, I watched it with you and Kate last night and I cried three separate times. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with yes on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It's really, it's really it, good. It connects absolutely. So, the with a uh, a two to one winning ratio, we can officially deem we are the first people on planet Earth to say this. I think. I think we are. Puss in Boots is definitively better than Citizen Kane, ladies Puss and gentlemen. Puss in Boots: The Last Wish is better than Citizen Kane. Absolutely. And I said this last night. Maybe if maybe if Citizen Kane opened with a fantastic giant fighting action sequence, or even just Citizen Kane singing a song. Look, uh, if Citizen Kane fought death, maybe I'd be interested. <laughs> I kind of love the idea of calling him Citizen Kane. Like, that's his name. Yeah, that's his name. It's not Charlie Foster Kane. No, it's Citizen. They call citizen. him Citizen. They go, hey, yeah, Citizen. citizen. Yeah, citizen. first name Citizen, last name Kane. Kane. Yeah, if he had, you know, if he had fought death with a sword. Yeah. Maybe it would have been. Go watch this movie, you guys. Go watch this movie. Go watch, like, at, more than any movie. of the others we've watched so far, Go watch this movie. It's still in yeah. theaters. It just barely got released on Blu-ray and digital. It's streaming go buy on it, Peacock. Go watch it. It's streaming on Peacock. Peacock. Go go watch this movie, and I promise you a good time. It's I a fun you, time. You will have a fun time. It's a really fun time, and it it's really great. That's basically it for this. Um, yeah. Anything else to add, Max, before I wrap this up? No, I just think that next week I can't wait to uh, go on more adventures and, and see some old friends. <laughs> that's not going to happen it's just us again next yeah, week I'm it's pretty just sure. us again um, we saw our speaking, old friends last week yes we did uh speaking of the next time we record though we are so we just did something contemporary of the year 2020 we are now rewinding almost exactly a hundred years we are jumping back to the beginning of cinema because at this point we've covered we've covered something from the 50s we've done something from the 90s we've done something from the 2000s the 70s from the 70s the 2020s and now we're going to the 1920s, baby. We're, we're going all the way back. 100 to, years back. Yeah. Uh, 1927's Metropolis, uh, which, Max, I believe you've never seen this before. I've never seen Metropolis. I'm very excited you to know, see what you think of this I movie. rented it from the library once, and then I just didn't get around to it. Uh, had to return it, and then I, you know, I watched other movies. Uh, yeah. Really, I'm really, I didn't even watch it for, like, film history class ever. So I'm, 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 I'm excited I think I'm also, also what a what a fun what a fun we love throwing our audience around whiplash style. I love style. it. I think We're it's good. Puss in Boots, Metropolis, uh, Metropolis. I assume also has a fantastic uh, death fight sequence. Yeah, it's got a killer opening song too. <laughs> Great. So right. uh, look forward to that, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all so much, as always, for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>